Last week in looking at this uh, idea of uh, Peter in the middle, middle of this sermon that he's giving uh, to the Jews to explain uh, what has occurred on the day of Pentecost and um, the gift of tongues being spoken and uh, lots of confusion uh, that he's bringing clarity to. And he uses two old, really three Old Testament citations here, but two uh, main ones. And we got into the second one that he's using from the book of Psalm uh, from uh, David. And so pick it up at verse 25. It says, uh, well, let's go back just a little bit to, to verse 23. And he's explaining uh, Jesus as a person after he's explained the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Uh, who was uh, all of this was supposed to happen to and really one more time I'm going to divert again let's go back to verse 22 this is a good starting spot he says you men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth the man approved from God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determinative counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, uh, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known uh, to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make known or make me, excuse me, full of joy uh, with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and in his sepulcher, or his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to him, that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither uh, his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being in the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise from the Holy Spirit, he hath shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he hath said uh, himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit down uh, on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard these things, they were pricked in the heart, and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And so you see this... <laughs> A reaction here of some of them, and of course, it's not going to be the reaction of all of them. Uh, but uh, this would have been a wonderful, uh, uh, what do you call it, gospel? Uh, uh, what, what am I thinking of? Billy Graham crusade here. 
uh, to get a lot of people saved at, at one time, 5,000. That would have been amazing, right? Uh, and you're going to see the number kind of dwindle down <laughs> after that uh, in these instances. Uh, but Peter, uh, able to explain what they saw, what was happening, and put it in the context of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, was an amazing thing. Let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll, we'll pick up. Father, we're grateful for this day and uh, grateful for the uh, grace that you've extended to us. Uh, that we're able to uh, see all of these things that occurred uh, before and view them in context, and they uh, add to our understanding of how you work and operate. Uh, that uh, at the changeover of, of your son's ascension into heaven, that something did change indeed, and we were all able to believe through the work that he accomplished. And not only that, that we're given the Holy Spirit that uh, allows us to be able to operate in this life. And we're not ones that are uh, feeling around in the dark and have no clue as to what direction or way we should go. Uh, we have uh, assurance from you uh, through the promises that you've made to us. And we can place faith in those and we can uh, be led along by the Holy Spirit into those works that you desire. So we pray as we uh, continue in this study through the book of Acts that that would uh, uh, just again provide assurance to us that as you've worked with your saints in the past, you'll continue to work with us in the present. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, and so uh, top of page 17, and we're going to just recap here uh, and, and looking back, uh, the main point of what we're looking at is uh, Peter is proving uh, who Christ was and what was happening as a result of, of the coming in verses 27 through 36. And so you see the confirmation uh, of the subject concerning prophecy, which gives Peter the boldness to speak in the manner that he is here. Uh, and again, we talked about it last week. Peter was not one that was always uh, wise when he spoke, right? He might have been bold before, but he didn't have a lot of wisdom behind what he was saying to see what was going to happen in the future, but the Holy Spirit has helped with that. Uh, and then you see the message uh, referencing this Old Testament uh, uh, verse, uh, and the prophecy was not concerning David. And David <laughs> speaks concerning the Lord sitting down at the right hand of God. This was not himself that he was speaking of. He was speaking of someone else that this was going to happen to. And what does that lay the foundation for? It lays the foundation for Peter to be able to present Jesus as this one that was being spoken of. Now, uh, we can do a good creative job as, as teachers up here sometimes and uh, take scripture and kind of set things up. Uh, but I don't think you can set it up too much better than Peter did there, right? He uses this Old Testament verse that they all would have been uh, uh, had knowledge of. Uh, and remember, in the context of what we're speaking, we can look back with this completed text. What did they have to go off of? They had only the Old Testament scriptures. And a lot of them didn't have those around. You would have to go to your, your uh, local temple just to be able to see the word. Uh, but a lot of them also had it in their head and understood these things have been told over time. And so when he's telling you that, that this person who uh, uh, David told in the psalm, uh, sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And he presented that as Jesus. This is providing clarity to something they had been told all their lives. And so uh, an amazing thing there. 
And so we see the proof uh, of David, uh, David's death contradicts any possibility that that prophecy could be about him. It was certainly pointing to uh, Jesus. In verse 30, we see the confirmation of the connection of David uh, and the Messiah. And so uh, you get that there in verse 31. We see the resurrection of Christ uh, and the lack of decay. Now, uh, remember, this is the importance of uh, why do we look at the fact that Jesus was buried uh, and he was resurrected on the third day? Because there was no decay to his body. His body never decayed. Go with me over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just as an aside, and as we're looking at the facts of the gospel, this is uh, a very important piece. It's probably overlooked a lot of the time. And in verse 1 of chapter 15, and I could call on somebody to see if you guys have a good memory of uh, what it says, and we just won't even read it, because I know everyone knows these verses by heart, just like <laughs> they would have known it in the Old Testament. But I'm not going to put that to the test. <laughs> Fear not. <laughs> Verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that that which I also received, how that Christ died on behalf of our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And so it's very, very important as you're looking at that to understand he was raised before his body could have seen any, any decay. And that's uh, a very important element of the gospel to remember. Now, going back to uh, Acts chapter uh, 2 and verse 32, we see the confirmation of Jesus uh, being subject, uh, uh, the subject of reference. And so he produces and, and starts to introduce uh, Jesus as this one that the verse was talking about. And he says there, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Um, and so, you know, according to God's plan and purposes, that it was uh, for Jesus to allow to be uh, put to death, but that he would be raised again. And so we see throughout Scripture that it's not just the Father, it's the Son and the Holy Spirit who all had participation uh, in his resurrection from the dead. And so in light of the uh, recent fame of Jesus and his earthly ministry, and again, all of these people uh, who were around were in close enough proximity to when Jesus, this, all of these events had happened that they would have known exactly who this person is uh, that Peter is talking about. Uh, and this is in line with the possibilities uh, concerning the prophecy that he just uh, told uh, concerning uh, Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the Father uh, and in light of the testimony of the disciples. And so what you'll see continuing throughout uh, the book of Acts is these people who were witnesses to this person. They were there with him and they can tell you from experience and having been around him and seen the works that he did and seen him uh, resurrected from the dead. Right. That he was the one uh, that this was speaking of. Go back with me uh, really quickly to John chapter 21. And just hitting on some of these things we're talking about here. These aren't in your notes, but 
that's a little bit there. In John chapter 21, and remember, this is after the resurrection and uh, after that Peter has made his famous statement in verse 3 where he says, I, I go back to fishing. Uh, now Jesus is going to appear to them. In verse 3 it says, uh, and really, let's go back to verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and, uh, in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto to them, I go fishing or really here. I am going fishing in the present. And it gives the idea uh, not just that <laughs> it's a nice day out like a beautiful day we have today. I think it's a good day to set sail and, and go out fishing. He's going back to his way of life of what he was doing before. This is what I did. This was my job. I'm going back. Jesus is uh, all of these things has happened concerning him. And I'm going to go back to what I was doing before. And so they say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus said or stood on the shore uh, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They say unto him, No. And he said unto them, Cast thy net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. And they cast therefore, and now uh, they were not able to draw it, it, draw it excuse me, for the multitude of the fishes. Uh, therefore, that the, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was uh, naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And you kind of know the rest from there that uh, he goes uh, unto Jesus. Uh, but this sight of him and seeing him uh, after he was resurrected, they were witnesses to it. They were witnesses to the miracles and the miraculous things that he could do even after he was crucified and he was re resurrected again. And that brings us over into Acts chapter one, where we see him again, right? Right before his ascension. And going back where we've been in past times and picking it up at... Uh, Pick it up at verse 6. It says, When they were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom uh, to Israel? And remember, they don't have a complete knowledge of, of what's supposed to happen. And I don't think it was until, and I know it wasn't until chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit come, that they were able to put all of these things together. And you see Peter giving this message that he's giving now. In verse 7, it says, And uh, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put into his own uh, power. Really, there are word for authority. Uh, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld... He was taken up uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, <laughs> again, uh, I, I think sometimes we just read through these things and we don't have our mind's eye on and, and kind of thinking through what's happening. 
they're standing here in the midst of Jesus and he begins to ascend into heaven right out of their sight. Now, what would you be able to say to that? (laughs) I think my mouth would just be still standing there in awe of what I just saw. Right. And so I don't think when we see this word for witnesses, we think, oh, okay, they just walked with him and, and talked with him. They saw some miraculous things that took place, not only in the time that he was alive on this earth, but even after he was resurrected from the dead, that they could come back and speak very confidently and boldly concerning this man that they had walked with. And so it's an an amazing thing. It continues on um, here uh, in verse 10. It says, and while they uh, looked steadfastly uh, toward heaven uh, as he went up, behold, two men uh, stood by by them in white apparel, and I'm sure it escaped their their uh, <laughs> imagination that there was anybody else even there as they're looking up in awe at what just transpired. But go back with me also over to First Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to tie this up. Uh, can speak uh, speaking of being witnesses, and so after Paul gives the gospel, he gives some other interesting information here concerning apostles and what we can postulate is that apostles were ones that were given some unique opportunities to uh, see things that most people weren't right and so uh, there were some qualifications that that uh, Paul talks about for being an apostle and and one of these is uh, talked about right here in this context after he gives the facts of the gospel Uh, but pick it up in verse 5 He says, and then he was seen of Cephas. And so after the fact that he was resurrected from the dead, he was visually seen by these individuals and uh, Cephas being Peter. Uh, Then of the 12, verse six, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles And at last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due uh, time. Uh, For I am the least of the apostles that am meet or sufficient to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Uh, But by the grace of God, I I am what I am. And his grace was bestowed upon me. uh, That was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Uh, But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And so you see uh, these people that are witnesses to his resurrection and not just the fact that he was alive, that they interacted with him and saw him after the fact that he uh, rose from the dead. And so when they say witnesses and they are ones that are testimonies to his work and what he's done, uh, Peter really means it. He really saw and interacted with this person uh, that raised from the dead. And so uh, in First Corinthians chapter 15 here, what issue did we have with the Corinthian saints? Why did he have to write this chapter? Anyone that was there on Wednesdays remember what the purpose was for him writing this? been a while since the pastor was there because he kind of moves at a, <laughs> at a slower pace. And they were doubting the resurrection. 
direction. There you go, Brother Scott. They were in doubt of the fact that people could be raised from the dead. And what happens in the world, uh, and we see it uh, often, uh, even in our time today, and, and people get at you with their knowledge and their, their education, and they come at you <laughs> and say, you believe that somebody could raise from the dead? What are you, some kind of fool, <laughs> right? And people start backing away from what they believe to be true. And that's what was happening with these Corinthian saints. They were given, given information that was being fed to them that was contrary to what they had been taught. And they started, instead of doubling down and saying, I have faith in this thing that I've been told, they started to back away. And so Paul has to come back to them and say, how are you even saved if there's no resurrection? And by that, he says, we are, we are witnesses to his resurrection. And I can tell you as one that has uh, seen him myself that this is true. Uh, and so you see this. And back over to Acts chapter uh, 2. And as we think about uh, this idea of them being witnesses, I lost my spot there. Uh, I believe verse 33, 32. 32. Yes, 32. Thank you, Brother Scott. Uh, And so when he says here in verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Uh, You see that. And in verse 33 says, or we see that there is confirmation of Jesus uh, being the one that sent the Holy Spirit. Now, What we can say concerning the persons of the Godhead, and I think we've said that here before, that where one person is active, they are all active. You never see one person of the Godhead, oh, I'm just going to go over here and do this thing, and the other two persons of the Godhead have nothing to do with it. They all act together. It's always in line with the Father's plan. It's always made possible by the work of the Son, and it's always done in time by the Holy Spirit. And so they're all working in conjunction with one another. And so you see here, uh, therefore, being uh, uh, in the right hand of God, in verse 33, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which we now see and hear. And so all persons of the Godhead uh, active there. Now, Peter states uh, that the uh, return of Jesus in in the ascension to the right hand, uh, Peter recalls the sending uh, of the Holy Spirit and the involvement of the Father and Son. And we uh, looked at some of these verses. You guys can go back and look at those uh, again on your own time if you'd like. Um, And then um, Peter explains the events of the day uh, as uh, the promise coming. Now, the confirmation uh, is given here uh, by further proof of the reference uh, concerning the enemies of Christ. Uh, And so as you look in this uh, passage, oh, in verses 34 and and 35, excuse me, lost my place. Uh, Let's read those two verses. It says, For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself, The Lord saith unto my Lord, sit down. Uh, on my right hand uh, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Uh, uh, In this, we see that David's death did not lead to a heavenly ascension. And so (laughs) when David died, he didn't go into heaven. I would have you guys know. Uh, Anybody 
know where Old Testament saints went to after they died? Yeah. And so remember, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, when the rich man looked across uh, to Lazarus after, after he died, where, where was he looking across to? The rich man was on one side in, in Hades, and Lazarus was on the other uh, in Abraham's bosom, as it said. And so all of the Old Testament saints, no man prior to the Lord going into heaven went into heaven. Those Old Testament saints, when they died, went right down into Hades and were in uh, Abraham's bosom. Uh, and so when, when you see this verse talking about sit down on my right hand, if God the Father is in heaven, how could that be David? He couldn't be speaking concerning uh, himself. Of course, he was speaking of another. Uh, and so David acknowledged the, the coming ascension of the Lord uh, in this. He's looking to the future. And Peter ties Psalms to the ascension of the Lord uh, who went to the right hand. And so we understand now, of course, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Now, we have a lot of references to, uh, to this throughout the book of Acts. One that we looked at last week, but I want to look at some of these uh, other ones here today. Uh, there's one in uh, verse 25 uh, that we saw before. And this is, again, in some of these Old Testament citations. But go with me over to Acts chapter 3 and verse 7. And we see the right hand of God cited again. And this is after uh, Peter is given uh, this sermon. And in verse 1 he says, Now uh, Peter and John went up together into the temple uh, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Uh, and that's equivalent to 3 p.m. And a certain man, uh, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, uh, whom they laid daily at the temple, uh, uh, excuse me, at the gate of the temple, uh, which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. When seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms and Peter fastening his eyes upon him uh, with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none but such as I have, I give, uh, I, I give in the name or the character of Jesus uh, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand uh, and left him up uh, immediately. His feet and ankles, uh, ankle bones received strength. And I think that's a wrong citation there. I was looking at that right hand of <laughs> uh, the wrong uh, reference. But go with me over to five, uh, Acts chapter 5 and verse 31. At least I didn't get the wrong verse that time. <laughs> but Acts chapter 5, this is the, the correct uh, version or uh, scripture. Uh, pick it up in... Um, Verse 29, he says, Then Peter uh, and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God uh, rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince, a, a, a prince and a savior, uh, for to give repentance uh, to, to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And so we see uh, the right hand mentioned here, and this is, in the context, he's looking at or, or speaking to these Jews that are uh, wanting to persecute him for having healed the, the lame man. Uh, but we continue on. Go with me over to Acts chapter 7 and verse 55. And this is one we saw 
uh, before in speaking of the right hand. But you see Stephen here citing the right hand as he's about to be stoned to death. Uh, and he cites it actually twice in this context. Uh, but pick it up in verse uh, 54. He says, uh, and remember, he's given the uh, Jews here a piece of his mind concerning their history and how uh, repeatedly when God has sent prophets to them, and what do prophets do? They tell uh, things that are coming from God. What do they do? They receive it and say, amen, hallelujah, you're right, brother. <laughs> We're going to go with what you said. No. They repeatedly kill the prophets that are sent to them, and they're about to do it again. Right when they're being given a message of truth, what do they do? They act like little children and stop, stop their ears and <laughs> or gnash their teeth and run up on him and stone him. And so we see this here. Uh, pick it up in verse 51. It says, you stick stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the uh, prophets have you not, have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers. And now, not just have they killed the prophets leading up to the one that they were waiting on, they killed the ultimate prophet that was sent to them to tell them the truth. And now, one who's testifying concerning that one, uh, they're going to kill as well. Verse 53, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Uh, and, and what I like to think of here when it says they were cut to the heart is they were convicted concerning truth. Now, when you hear something that's true, you have two reactions that you can do, right? Have you ever been proven wrong? And been caught and then someone says something and you have nothing to say concerning what they've said. They're absolutely right. And you can either react and say, you know what, you're right. <laughs> and take a slice of that humble pie and eat it up. Or you can say, no, you double down, you're wrong. And try to react to that person. Well, they chose the latter in this instance. They're reacting out of uh, conviction of the fact that they're wrong. In verse 55, it says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing not on. And that's a, a correction you should probably make in your scripture because I think it's a, a very important piece here. It says, out from the right hand of God. And so where was God before or where was Jesus before? He was seated at the right hand of God. And as Stephen is about to be stoned, he stands out from the right hand of God in order to receive this saint uh, that's just uh, martyred himself on his behalf. In verse 56, it says, and uh, said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing out from the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid, their, uh, laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And they kneeled, or he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, the pastor has said it before, and I would agree with him here. <laughs> and maybe it's not the truth. Maybe if uh, I were spiritual at that time, I would react in the right way and say just the words that Stephen, Stephen said here. But as I'm thinking about it, my flesh <laughs> stirred up within me. And I think if someone were stoning me, it wouldn't be, don't lay this into their charge. <laughs> it would be, may they all get what's coming to them <laughs> at the time that it's coming. Uh, Maybe, maybe I would react the right way. I don't know. <laughs> but we Looking see. Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. When he saw Jesus and it put him in the right frame of mind. He said, in, in a couple minutes, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord and I won't have to deal with this anymore. Um, yeah, that's what it is. We're back over to, <laughs> to chapter two. And as we're thinking about the right hand. Uh, you see it mentioned here, and of course, these are not, uh, there are many more references to the right hand of God as you go all throughout the, the New Testament and the rest of the epistles. Uh, but those are some of the ones that we see here in the book of Acts. Um, now, the visualization of the Father's statement indicates that the Lord's return is limited in God's decree to the time in which judgment will be exacted upon the earth. And so if you look to the future, when the Lord returns, he's going to exact judgment upon this earth. And all of these that have uh, uh, boasted and, and said, well, where is the coming of, of the Lord? Well, they're going to get it. <laughs> and then the pastor will be able to have his favorite verse come to pass. <laughs> this, this, this is going to be evened out, right? And it says, vengeance is mine, that... That word for vengeance has the idea of righteousness and judgment being meted out, right? And sometimes on this earth, it looks like uh, unrighteousness is getting the better of righteousness, doesn't it? It looks like people that are evil and unjust are getting by and getting away with the things they're doing. And I'm sure those Jews in chapter 7 of Acts thought they were getting away with killing Stephen. They know better about it now, don't they? And they will know better more about it in the future when their future judgment comes to pass. And you say that because all of these people that are going to be there right before Christ's coming are going to be of that same mind, thinking that they've gotten away with everything that they're doing. And guess what? In one second, it's all going to change for them. <laughs> And I wonder what, what their minds are going to be like. Are they going to want a mulligan and say, man, I wish I had listened when, when I was given the opportunity. Well, well, we'll find out someday. Verse 35, it says, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And in verse 36, therefore, uh, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made uh, the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so in Verse 36, um, we see, and I'm going to come back to this next week because you guys don't have the page, and there's, there's quite a bit that I went over in verse 36, but we see the confirmation of Jesus being the subject of prophecy. And so he says, therefore, and remember, we use that, that word to tie back to previous context based on what he stated here uh, before. Uh, we see the summary is for the entire house of Israel. Now, what is the importance that he is stating uh, here, let all of Israel know? What did we allude to when we started off this uh, 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 
sermon here from Peter, what did I say might be an indication of why he's going back to some of these things in the Old Testament? We are going to see that as he's speaking to the whole house of Israel, had the whole house of Israel heeded the words that he was saying, and they all believed what might have happened. The kingdom that they were waiting on, that they were asking about over and over again in the first chapter, might have come to pass right then. And yet we know that 5,000 believe, and there's a lot more than 5,000 in the house of Israel. So we'll come back to that next week uh, and look at it a bit more. Father, we're grateful for this day and uh, grateful uh, for how you operate and the things that uh, we see from your wisdom being a lot greater than ours. Uh, we, we can only see bits and pieces of the picture, but you have it all. And so we uh, are grateful for that, that we can put our faith in you and not in our actions and abilities and not even in other men's actions and abilities. We look at the world and we look at people who are uh, relying upon other men uh, or, or, or upon themselves to uh, accomplish things in this life. But we know that our faith and our hope rests in you and the work that your son has accomplished. And we are led in that day by day by the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that uh, as we continue on that we would um, continue in that faith, Father that you might be glorified uh, through all that we say and do. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.